Welcome to the Metric Stack Podcast. Your hosts, Alan Villa and Lauren Thibodeau, will talk to founders, leaders, marketers, and more to uncover how they succeed with data. Whether you're struggling with data, reluctant to take the leap, or maybe you're a seasoned expert with years of experience, you'll hear stories from people like you who have used data to grow and scale their business. Laura McKay is the COO and co-founder of PolicyMe, a digital life insurance platform that allows Canadians to purchase term life insurance at an affordable price. Before founding PolicyMe, Laura spent time working in insurance and strategic operations as a management consultant at Oliver Wyman. In 2017, Laura launched a successful initiative for the World Economic Forum that focused on innovation in insurance, working closely with insurers, tech pioneers, and policymakers. Laura, so glad that you're joining us today. Yeah, thanks so much. I'd love to be here. I'd love to jump in, Laura. And uh, just before we get into policy me specifically, love to touch a bit on your background. You have a really good, robust foundation in math and numbers and data, right? Actuarial science and math and finance. How has that shaped the way you use data to guide your decisions as COO, would you say? Yeah, so my background is in actuarial science. For people who don't know what actuaries do, you can think of them as almost like the original data scientists before data science was as popular as it is. Actuaries look at huge data sets to better predict the severity and probability of risk. And so that's kind of what I studied in school. It's really, though, a practical application of just many statistic kind of modeling techniques. So my background is really in just statistical modeling. And I think that definitely helped me in my career so far, specifically in tech. On the tech side, there's obviously plenty and plenty of opportunities for you to better understand your business through data. One example could be in the early days setting up, you know, a web analytics platform, which helps you track users' clicks on your website. This allows you to better understand where there's friction in the journey by seeing the specific areas or pages where they're dropping off. And it's not always as clear as just looking at it on one dimension. Sometimes there's different segments that you want to look into that better correlate with some of the areas of friction on your website. So obviously statistics, a statistic background really helped with that. And then I would say the second part where my data background has helped me is just as a founder. Early days, what you're mostly focused on is trying to manage your cash and runway that involves projecting forward kind of what your expected revenues look like, understanding your expenses, and really trying to optimize <laughs> to you know stay alive for as long as possible by making sure you don't run out of money. So I believe at the same time, you know, an aptitude in math and statistics helped me with that. Although I do, I would warn that sometimes it can be kind of a bit of a double-edged sword. Uh, analysis paralysis is the term that's typically used for this. You can sometimes drive yourself crazy trying to look at data forever. And at times you just kind of have to move quickly and make a decision and learn from that decision. It can be the faster way to come to a, a good outcome than necessarily trying to understand the data. Hey, so 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 where 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 do you fall on that spectrum? I'm always interested, right? Because 
because founders do need to make decisions. They need to be, be decisive, right? And, you know, everybody's heard of that term, analysis paralysis. Are you up at night, like analyzing, worrying, fretting about things? Or are you sort of, okay, let's make it and move on? Uh, where do you fall on that spectrum? I would say it's been a learned skill. I definitely struggled to make decisions on very little data early on. It just was not something super comfortable to me, especially with a background in actuarial science. The biggest stereotype <laughs> of actuaries is like being super risk averse just because they understand the probability of risk so well <laughs> and how to figure out the likelihood of, well, of a risk so happening. So you sort of got a double whammy, right? I mean, A, you've got that background of risk analysis and you're in insurance, right? Yeah. So... So yeah, so it took some time to get comfortable with it, but I would say now I'm definitely more leaning towards, you know, make a decision. Even if it fails, it's a great learning opportunity. And sometimes the act of failing and then coming to the secondary and learning from that and coming to the right decision is faster than trying to identify the right solution from the beginning. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Let's dive into policy me. Tell me in a nutshell and tell the audience, like, what is policy all about? You know, how did the spark happen? You know, when did you start it and who are you targeting? Policy me is on a mission to protect families with honest and uncomplicated life insurance products. Having worked in the life insurance industry myself, and my co-founder has a similar background, he worked in the life insurance industry as well. We saw firsthand how broken the entire system was. Insurance agents are pretty much 100% commissioned and incentivized to sell expensive and complicated products to their clients. It's obviously not every insurance agent who takes that approach, but the system just sets such high and incentives to do that, that a lot of people are being oversold on what they actually need. And the products themselves are extremely complicated. I think the insurance industry has designed products for middlemen and not for the end user. So that you almost need someone hand-holding you through the process to even understand all the definitions associated with the products. And then there was an extreme amount of cost and inefficiency in the system by having kind of 99% of products sold through a middleman today. So we designed our own life insurance products sold directly to consumers. We get about 70% of applicants an instant decision on, on their life insurance eligibility, which is almost unheard of in an industry where it typically takes like five or six weeks to get approved for a life insurance product. And we allow them to kind of have an e-commerce-like experience to buy that product. Product. It takes about 20 minutes from start to finish to get approved and, and get your policy and you can get it all online right away. So we really wanted to design something that just is more well-suited to millennials and how they like to shop today. That's fantastic, Lauren. Having been through the painful, gnarly process myself, I'm just delighted you're transforming the space because it's, it's not pretty. The old model's not pretty. You know, you are targeting, as you mentioned, millennials, you're targeting this next generation, digital natives. How do you know that you're reaching them? What are some of those metrics that you're looking at to know, are you hitting the mark? Are they reluctant? Are you actually reaching them? Yeah, it's a good question. It's not one I would say that I have a perfect 
answer to. It's still a work in progress every day <laughs> as we assess kind of what marketing channels and marketing mix makes sense for us. But we know that our target market is parents. They're the ones who have loved ones and children who are dependent on them financially. They're the ones who would be in a very, very difficult situation if, if they were to pass away and no longer could financially support their children or their loved ones. So we try and bet, we really try to understand that target market parents. And what we've looked at so far is kind of better understanding the barriers to buying life insurance today. The first one being kind of time. So we we spend a lot of time designing our product to be super fast and efficient. Again, focusing on trying to get it done in 20 minutes versus taking weeks on weeks with intimidating in-person meetings and paperwork to get it completed. The second one is cost. We know parents are juggling a million financial responsibilities and financial the balance between kind of investing and saving for tomorrow is very difficult when you have such urgent financial priorities every day to deal with. So we also cut down the cost of life insurance products. We're 10% cheaper than the industry on average. And we keep looking at ways to drive more affordability in our product suite for parents specifically. And then last is knowledge and confidence. One of the biggest barriers to buying life insurance is just that uncertainty certainty around, is this the right product? Do I understand all the terms and conditions? We've really focused on and are committed to building kind of enjoyable educational content like online calculators and videos versus the traditional ways that you are getting content on life insurance today, which is kind of phone calls with a sales rep or large brochures and things like that. So really focusing on that target market has helped us, I think, a lot in driving some of the success we've had today. So it looks like you've really tried to figure out, you know, what is that product value proposition? What are the things that you can really differentiate compared to traditional insurance? But what does a user, what, what metrics, what successes, you know, what stages are they getting through? Are you using traditional metrics such as activation rate or conversion rates? Uh, you know, what are the things that are, are teaching you if this is working and, you know, where do you have to iterate if it's not? We have pretty linear journey, which is nice, really designed similar to like e-commerce filling your shopping cart. So you first come on our website, you give us a little bit of information and get a quote. That's our first conversion metric that we look at. So homepage to getting a quote. And then you can from there start your application. Again, this doesn't have to happen in the same journey. We want to track multi-session. So it may take some people a few times to get back into the process to actually start the application. So that's another metric we stare at, getting a quote to starting an application. And then the application process, you know, can be, it's not five questions. We estimate it takes about 10 minutes to get through. It's a bit like a questionnaire where you're answering about your health and your lifestyle. Again, all these are related to kind of yeah, mortality I mean, risk factors. Even 10 minutes is an order of magnitude better than you know what it traditionally is. So that's great. 
Yeah. You're being asked questions about your health history, your family's health history, uh, your motor vehicle kind of record, <laughs> whether or not you've gotten in an accident in the last couple of years. Also your hobbies. If you're, if you enjoy doing things like hella skiing, you may be a little bit riskier for a life insurance company. So they, they want to take that into account as they're underwriting you. So the next KPI we're really looking at is like that start application to completing application. Next, I would say would be looking at our approval rate really high. You know, it's 80, 85 plus percent of applicants are getting approved, but we want to make sure that stays fairly stable because we are committed to approving as many people as possible. Once you're approved, there's a last step to activate your policy, which actually does involve giving that final intent by leaving your credit card details, paying your first premium, signing the policy contract. So that's another part of the journey that we look at is kind of an approval to policy activation. So each of those steps have friction in them. And we we really try and understand some of the customer experience pain points and how we can better optimize that for them. Yeah. So each one of those is going to have a percentage of folks that fall out of the funnel. And I guess at each stage, you're going to learn about, well, why are they falling out? You know, is it a certain customer segment? Did we not bring the right target audience in so they didn't get approved? How are you thinking about that? How are you, are you segmenting the data? Are you saying, well, we need to improve our marketing efforts to sort of get different people into the funnel? What are you learning along the way that, you know, you need to sort of tackle as kind of the next steps? We look at that data in a lot of different ways. One would be marketing channels source, (laughs) UTM source is what we call it, but trying to understand you know, are some marketing channels way more effective for us because we're actually catching people who have higher intent to buy life insurance versus others where it just may not be in their minds at the current moment. (laughs) Another one is age. We do find that that's pretty correlated to whether or not you want to activate the policy or not. And then I would say, you know, approved at quoted rate versus someone who got rated for their policy, which means they unfortunately were underwritten and a bit higher risk, so may have to pay a little bit more than the quoted price. So that's another segment that we look at closely and kind of trying to understand how to best message that issue to them so they feel confident that, you know, we are still getting them the best rate, even though it wasn't necessarily what they saw when they were first quoted. Uh, So there's a lot of different ways, and I'm sure there's probably... 20 more that we haven't even looked at that we should be (laughs) that are highly correlated with some of the outcomes here. Um, And we're just starting to scratch the surface on, on how much segmentation we should do on each of these metrics. That's great. And thanks for walking us through the funnel. I'd love to jump back to the top of it for a moment, because one of the, the stats that we've seen and even heard you say at the beginning, you want to be transparent, not oversell to folks is, you know, some folks who will come to your website will go away because they shouldn't actually, they don't actually need life insurance. So that's a metric that you track, I understand. Is that staying fairly flat? Is that going up? Is that going down? And can you tell us, like, are you proud of that metric? What are your thoughts around that one? Typically, you know, people have so many 
financial priorities that this doesn't need to come top of list if there aren't any dependents who rely on you financially today. So you can imagine a lot of the people that we say don't buy life insurance can be someone who's single, who doesn't really have any financial dependents. So if they were to pass away, there wouldn't be a big financial burden on anyone. Um, And obviously there'd be a lot of grief, but like specifically a financial burden would not kind of come into play. So we have always told people the truth there. uh, And it's something we're proud of. It's something that I think helped build a lot of trust for us within the industry early on, because there are so many kind of bad sales practices where people are being oversold life insurance when they don't really need it. It'd be fascinating if you could trace that through to future loyalty or, you know, would that single person come back in five years now that they have kids and dependents and like, that would be amazing to see that correlation. Really only starting to scratch the surface on like multi-session understanding and, but it's something we're really focused on. Yeah. I think it's a wonderful policy. I mean, not only would I expect those people to come back in future, but the word of mouth and the referral traffic that that brand trust builds, I think is fantastic. Even though you're sending 30% of the folks away and saying, listen, the time is not right. You don't need insurance today. You still managed to grow at over a 700% growth. You did a seed round. Tell me about that process. How did you work with the investors? What were the metrics that they were looking at? You know, were there any metrics that were very specific to your industry or different? Which ones would you sort of tell us about? I would say as a seed stage company, the numbers aren't the end all and be all. They definitely help to tell a story. But what I found that investors were most interested in is understanding the market so that you definitely can use some of your data to do that. But you really want to kind of size the market and understand the competitive landscape. They also want to understand the founders and what skills they bring to the table, specifically in the, related to the problem that they are tackling. And then lastly, I would say they want to understand why now. And that's part of the story you need to sell. Why today versus 10 years ago versus 10 years from now? What makes this timing and this market so attractive? And prove to me that this is going to be like an exponential growth story. So it ends up being a little more qualitative. But from what I've understood, we we haven't gone through our Series A yet, but it, it the data starts to really come into play at that point. Additionally, when we have our board meetings, we're really bringing a lot of financial data and product analytics to the table to discuss. So maybe it didn't, it wasn't as important in the seed round, but it, it will be important as you as you group, keep growing. Are there a couple, Laura, as COO that you have your eye on in particular now that you're past seed and you're growing? You know, what's top of your dashboard? What do you look at on a day-to-day, month-to-month share with your board? It all comes down to revenue. You can slice it in a lot of ways, but for us, that's something we really focus on. A lot of things fall into a revenue projection, obviously, kind of the number of policy sales, the size of the policy, how many people are just even clicking on your homepage to start the month. But we really try and focus most of our energy at tracking kind of month over month and year over year revenue. Let's shift gears a little bit. We're still living through this global pandemic. COVID certainly didn't create a new need for life insurance, but it might have exacerbated or amplified one that was already there. Can you tell us just a little bit about the COVID impact on your business? COVID put mortality front and center in people's lives. 
it is a risk that always existed, but one you didn't really think about on a day-to-day basis unless something really tragic happened to someone you loved or someone in your immediate circle. But then having the media and news agencies track daily death counts, which is what we've been doing probably for about like a year now, it's obviously increased a bit the urge agency to get life insurance. So I think parents inherently understood the need for it, but there wasn't that kind of thing that made them wake up in the morning and think, I'm going to get it today, right? There's no requirement like there is for car insurance to have it just to be able to drive. And so I think COVID did have a, a big impact. We saw really big growth last summer in interest, and it's, you know, it stayed pretty constant since then. Let's get to sort of a a holistic question. Maybe tell me a little bit about the company culture as well when you answer this. For us at Clipfolio, helping people succeed with data is part of our mission. It's, It's why we're here. So when I say succeed with data, what does that mean to you? What does it mean to Policy Me? And how do you sort of build that throughout the company culture as well when you answer this? One of our values in our culture is about staying curious. And I really think data helps with that. It really allows you to make really informed decisions. If you see a data discrepancy or or kind of something that speaks to you around, oh, this one segment, like they're really, really kind of, you know, have very high metrics and conversion rates. And what is it about them? How do we understand them better? And how can we maybe replicate some of that success with other segments is definitely something we really prioritize at PolicyMe. Startups are just huge kind of innovation incubators. There's typically not a lack of ideas. I'm sure you guys have that issue as well. Everyone has ideas, but one of the biggest challenges startups face is picking the idea, prioritizing which ideas to start with. And so data is the crux of that, right? It's trying to make an informed decision, trying to help inform your prioritization matrix, trying to just pick the best ideas. (laughs) So I think it really does equip you to run the business in a more informed way. Let me piggyback on that, Laura. That's a really helpful answer. I'm going to ask you if you have a piece of advice that you would give to help other founders succeed with data. And I would put a lens on that, perhaps other founders who don't have your robust background in data and numbers. We spent a lot of time early days building based on just our own hypotheses, uh, which was fine. But I think we would have, if we spent a lot more time talking to our customers, tracking their experiences on our website, we may have accelerated some priorities over others or made some product feature changes a lot quicker than we did. So even qualitative interviews to start with is a data point. (laughs) It's obviously not something that's statistically relevant, but it will lead you in the right direction. And then over time, start building those data sets that are more statistically relevant so that you can make decisions based on them. Laura, this has been fantastic. Um, So you've heard about, you know, being honest with your customers, staying curious, getting that data coming into the system, into the corporate culture early, the curiosity behind that. So again, thank you so much for being here. Uh, Laura McKay, a co-founder and COO of PolicyMe. Thanks for having me. This was fun. If you enjoyed today's conversation about metrics and data, be sure to check out Metric HQ, our online resource for the metrics that matter most to you and your business.